I'm Mike Lesseter from Farm Equipment Magazine. Welcome to our latest episode in How We Did It, Conversations with Ag Equipment's Entrepreneurs. For today's Farm Equipment Podcast, I sat at the table with the father-son team of Ward and Mark McConnell, the leaders of Artsway Manufacturing, a short-line farm equipment manufacturer out of Armstrong, Iowa. I was John Deere dealer only for a year. They didn't like me much. I was a more of a menace to them. Then I decided uh, what I wanted to do was make farm machinery. That's Ward McConnell, the senior of the two McConnells from Artsway, who is as scrappy as ever at 86 years old, and his 38-year-old son, Mark. Mark was groomed from a very early age to one day lead this business. In fact, he was a grade schooler at the negotiation table for one of the biggest deals his dad ever made. Artsway was founded in 1956 when Iowa farmer Arthur Lonescombe went to market with his PTO-powered grinder mixer. Today, Artsway does over $20 million in annual revenues and employs 150 across three facilities. Their brand names include Artsway, Miller Pro, and Universal Harvester. Artsway is also an OEM supplier to Case New Holland and Gearinghoff. Before we cut over to the two McConnells, a note about our sponsor, GKN Off-Highway Powertrain. To learn more about how GKN improves the efficiency, safety, and increased productivity of today's farm machinery, visit www.gknoffhighwaypowertrain.com. Now let's get started as Mark shares a few words about the product segments that Artsway is in. We're specialized manufacturers of farm equipment. Uh, much of our product serves livestock industries, particularly uh, dairy, as well as others. And we're also in specialized harvest equipment, the sugar beet industry, and uh, some other land maintenance type products and uh, more to come. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the being publicly held, the why and uh, what that does for your business. Well, the company's been public since 1971. It uh, was taken public under different circumstances and you know different times. And to this point, we've, we've remained public uh, because we've seen some value in, in having a tradable stock and it gives us access to uh, public markets to raise capital if we were so inclined. And, creates liquidity for shareholders and has benefits like that that, that uh, aren't generally present in a privately owned company. Yeah, what, what are some of the other ones? That uh, so we have uh, two ladder manufacturing companies. We make step ladders and extension ladders uh, primarily for the, the telecom industry and we're the basically the last domestic or fully domestic ladder manufacturer. We have an aircraft parts company where we um, do a lot of brokerage activity for large companies like Northrop Grumman. We fulfill a procurement function for them, essentially. Uh, we have a, a pressure vessel, heat exchanger, tank manufacturing company. We have a, uh, a plumbing and electrical distribution business. We're very involved in Community Bank. That's uh, been a real interesting venture. And uh, well, within Artsway, there are other businesses that are uh, non-ag related, modular building manufacturing company that primarily builds laboratory buildings and Artsway also owns a, uh, a tool cutting business where we make tools that go into precision machining um, inserts and things like that there are others but those come to mind nice diversification there right. sounds like yeah. mm -hmm. Ward can you tell us a, a little bit about how you ended up in this business what how your path to running in the farm, farm equipment business mm -hmm. started on a dairy farm and uh, 
after military, I came back to the farm. My father was didn't need any help really, so I. I this was in New York. State? In New York State, yeah. upstate. Yeah, I think it was coincidence more than plan. Of course, I was brought up on a farm. My father had a WC Alice Chalmers, which I hated to drive, <laughs> but uh, I did drive it quite a bit. And uh, but got out of the army, three years, a couple of years in Alaska and didn't know what I was going to do. I thought first maybe car dealerships were a good idea, but I couldn't get any car dealer company to talk to me. So I went to the driver's side and they, they were glad to talk about it. And uh, Oliver, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I took the Oliver franchise on in 1956 uh, and uh, had it for about five years. Spent a year John Deere uh, dealer, it, it, along with it, Oliver. That's when the, the the tractor business was starting to starting to go, right? Oh, coming yeah. off uh, yeah, late 50s, 50, 56, 57. Mm -hmm. 1960, I took on John Deere for a year. That's the first year they did D-Day in Dallas, introduced the multi-cylinder tractors. Okay. And I went to that event on their chartered airplane. Yeah. So I was an I was John Deere dealer only for a year. I they didn't like me much, really. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was a more of a menace to them. Than yeah. <laughs> Cut a little bit different, were you? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. I mean, yeah. We didn't agree it the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then I decided uh, what I wanted to do is make farm machinery. So I liquidated the two of those uh, businesses and uh, started manufacturing. And at the beginning, all potato equipment. It was potatoes in our area of New York and Iron Age had been making it and they had quit making it and so I kind of picked up where they were and made potato planters and harvester boxes and so on. Started selling in Maine where there was a lot of potatoes and then I went to Idaho and because potatoes and and rent a building and put some equipment in it and try to sell it. And then we ended up with a branch in North Dakota and uh, we did that for several years. That was pretty good to us, got us growing. You've had an affinity for not only manufacturing, but acquiring companies over the years. You've done it numerous times now. Yeah. 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 That's uh, uh, been fun. I've enjoyed very much buying some of them and trying to, everything I'd bought had been uh, in financial demise. And it's fun to, for me at least, it's a lot of fun to bring them back profitable and have a have good companies out of bad ones, but we still uh, do that. What was it that drew you to the manufacturing end of farm equipment? The thought that I could make more money and I could selling somebody else's. But actually, uh, I started manufacturing early on, very early on. One, some very small pieces, very small pieces of machinery, not very domestic, not very exciting, but uh, as we moved along, we made a potato planter that was very, very well accepted in the United States. And uh, But potatoes prices were up here one year and down here the next, and it was awfully, awfully hard to keep the company really profitable. Mm -hmm. We make a lot of money one year and lose it all the next. And moving along, we eventually got in tractor business, manufacturing business. Mm -hmm. That was many years later, and uh, that was a very, very very, very good uh, decision, and uh, we made tractors and shipped them all over North America. And uh, we, we had a tractor, which uh, we got very lucky with this uh, 
Roger Penske kind of helped us get started. Cummins had made the tractor engines for the prior tractors that we made. And uh, Cummins wouldn't sell us because we were too uh, small under their radar. But Roger Penske came along and said, Ward, if you'll buy your engines from us and put them in your tractor, we'll build you a prototype and test it on the GM Proving Ground in mm -hmm. Detroit. Mm -hmm. My God, we jumped all over that. <laughs> We said, what, what do we have to do? And, and Roger said, all you gotta do is send me an engineer and a chassis. So we sent him an engineer and a chassis from a tractor and uh, an older one. Mm -hmm. And uh, it went to Detroit. They put a new engine, new type engine, computer controlled, which was in that horsepower and not been on the market yet. And uh, that was a godsend. Uh, I mean, we, we were so far ahead of the curve on that first mm -hmm. tractor. that Which tractor was that? With a 425 horsepower, we put our name on it, McConnell Tractor, okay. McConnell Mark Tractor. Yeah, I was gonna talk about that. And too. the first ones we made, we put Massey Ferguson on, and we sold them in Western Canada. But uh, it took off. The, the engine was so far ahead of the time, at that time, nobody could compete with our with our performance. But that went along and it grew like crazy and uh, I mean it grew faster and our money grew well, very profitable I mean we just uh, uh, ballooned and so Agco came along and wanted to buy it and uh, we made a deal and sold it to him. And what year was that? Some of I those think things. 1994. And so that gave you that gave you the resources to do some other things with your oh, yeah. business correct? Okay. Yes. I, I explain it this way I don't know that it's a very good way to explain it but I was kind of like a drunken sailor <laughs> I went out and bought all of the things I could find because I had money now to buy them with. Yeah, yeah. So I bought all sorts of stuff. Mark, I think you're the only one that I've sat down with who had a piece of uh, machinery named after him. Mm -hmm. What do you re What do you remember? Well, I I think it all started when I was uh, about seven years old. I think that he bought the product line from from Massey Ferguson, and I remember yeah, 1986. I remember them. A grand opening of, of the plant and the governor being there and that being a big deal and uh, him driving around the parking lot in in the tractor and, and so that was interesting I remember um, probably when I was maybe 10 11 uh, going to an event at Detroit Diesel uh, in Detroit with Roger Penske mm -hmm. uh, it was a big employee appreciation type of event where they featured uh, the whole goods that their engines went into so we had a display there and he spent time with everybody and you know, went to his office and met him and he's a celebrity kind of in his own mm -hmm. right so that was a big deal. And uh, you know, I also remember when Agco came to negotiate with him, it was Bob Ratliff who put together Agco and came to negotiate, actually pulled me out of school and I sat, oh, sat cool. in the room while they, while they negotiated it. I remember Mr. Ratliff asking if it was okay to discuss all these things <laughs> with him sitting here and yeah. say, yeah, he's here on purpose. Oh, those, are, those are a few of the interesting things. And you know, it's good many years later to run into Bob Ratliff again before he passed and mm -hmm. you know, revisit some of those things from, from ancient history. Yeah. So. Yeah. A real gentleman, mm -hmm. great guy. Mm -hmm. Didn't take us long to negotiate. I mean, he, we, we just got along great. He spent a day with me and yeah. What a day, though. It was wonderful. Yeah. Did he negotiate quickly because the, the kid was kicking him in the shins underneath the table? <laughs> no, I, I don't think he did. I think he, uh, 
he just was a very fair, fair person to deal with, mm -hmm. and there was no funny stuff. Yeah. I enjoy. I went to lunch with him and spent the day with him. It was a great day. Yeah. One of those days of your life. That defining day. A defining yeah. day. Yeah. And I was glad to, you know, I was glad to sell it to him. And we didn't take any stock back. We just took cash. Mm -hmm. But we hadn't seen much cash up until that time in our life. Mm -hmm. So the cash came in pretty good. What kind of catapulted? Like I said, we I was a drunken sailor. Mm -hmm. And we have a bunch of little businesses now. So how, how many years were you in the tractor business? I think 86 to 94 with that. That included your bought and sold a tractor and tractor company within, what was it, 24 hours once? Marshall, Marshall Tractor. Well, that was in England. Mm -hmm. I was chasing tractor deals. I heard of the tra Marshall Tractor being sold at bankruptcy in England at, oh, at a farm show. So I extended my English time and went to the look at it. Mm -hmm. And I ended up buying it. Yeah. <laughs> now, before I got it bought, really, I had it sold. So uh, it was, that was exciting as well in England. Mm -hmm. yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. So I ended up buying some little businesses in England also. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have a real estate business over there. We don't do much, but we still buy and sell real estate. Yeah. With it, we have a partner in England. So tell us how Artsway came to be. How I understand that you had sold, sold a line to them and then served on their board. and Tell us that story. Well, it's kind of easy to get into Artsway because it was public. And uh, they, they were in financial trouble and uh, they needed cash and I had a little cash and so I bought some stock on the premise that I become chairman. And they agreed to that. And I've been the, on the board or chairman since. He's currently chairman mm -hmm. and uh, I was chairman for 13 years. I serve on his board now. Been a very tough year this year, however, for Artsway. It's changing, fortunately. It's, we did a lot of things that were will commit and uh, lead to growth during that period of time as well. Mm -hmm. We improved a lot of things that were not up to par, perhaps, and uh, a lot of improvement we, during that time. So we're bigger and better. We're not much bigger, but we, we will be. We got more products and we got different products and we, that were brought in during this downturn. Got a high, a big orange box, a big one we didn't have before. And uh, it, it, the time, that we weren't doing very well. We were doing a lot of, of uh, planning. Mark did a good job. Mark, what's your earliest memories about about the company and, and understand that you were always in the office with your dad on the weekends? And tell us about what you remember. Um, before Artsway? Well, uh, yeah, from a pretty young age, I was always, uh, you know, every Saturday going to the office and, and he'd spend much of the day there and I'd be there doing something, playing mm -hmm. with you know the model tractors or or that kind of thing and so I was always kind of uh, around it and I wasn't really shielded from the harder business aspects of it I was kind of always uh, around and uh, you know growing up I know FEMA was always a highlight for my parents that was a can't miss things in the, in the mm -hmm. calendar that was a highlight for sure growing up I, I worked you know in various ways in, in the business you know as a teenager and some before and that kind of thing. And actually one of those teenage jobs was ended up leading my first exposure to Artsway. 
I was uh, in '96. He had purchased the Logan Harvester Company in Idaho Falls, Idaho, and I think early in the year, and that was a turnaround project. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, I think 17, about to be a senior in high school, and I went to Idaho for the summer and played on the local American Legion baseball team and all that, a couple <laughs> thousand miles away from home. And uh, in any case, worked there for the company, um, went to see dealers. Went this to is a high school? Steve. Yeah. Wow. Uh, actually, from Idaho, I went to Western Canada to go collect money from dealers that, <laughs> that owed from the tractor company yeah. years prior. That was um, a great experience. Oh, yeah. 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 And I remember being detained at the border with a lot of checks on hand and a lot of questions <laughs> and my car torn apart and all that kind of thing. And uh, I, li I literally was, you know, in a, in a room with no windows for a few hours while yeah. I tried to figure out who I was. He's only, how old were you? Uh, in that case, 17. 17 years old, had a new car, new red Mustang. So he, he, was, he was pretty yeah. proud here anyway. Yeah. But the uh, proper swagger to go collect bills with, right? Yeah. 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 Not, not my first car, by the way. <laughs> I should tell you about my first one. Yeah. One of your first assignments was to collect money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hence the being detained yeah, at work. Right. <laughs> How'd they react to a 17-year-old coming uh, and doing not, collection not, for them? Not very well. <laughs> I think they asked, do you have any financial instruments exceeding some amount of money? And, Actually, yes, I do. I, I had like ten thousand in cash and a hundred thousand in checks, yeah. and that was <laughs> pretty suspicious, I guess. Yeah. But um, in any case, worked at that business uh, during during that summer, and um, again, it was a turnaround. And uh, as we started to shape things up, um, uh, he'd call me from North Carolina and say that you know, I got somebody interested in that business we just bought out there, and it and it was Artsway. And not long after, I mean, by the end of 96, I believe, uh, he worked it out to sell Logan to Artsway. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, uh, took quite a bit of stock. And that, that was, um, uh, and, sh and became a board member also. So there was a, a period from 96 to 02 or so where we were uh, involved, but not in, the, not in the running the business kind of way. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway. Hmm. One of the things I'm picking up on in, in, in talking to for this project is that the the next generation was exposed to the business at a very young age. Mm -hmm. Dad brought you into negotiations on big deals. You traveled with them. Tell, tell us what you gained by being being that being exposed to that much of the business from a young age. Well, I I think. Um a lot I didn't understand probably at the time, so I had to fill in the blanks later. But I, I think I realized that there was a lot of uh, hard work and scrappiness that that has to go into uh, you know, making a small business go and uh, to to make deals happen. I mean, you've there's there's always a lot to be uh, negotiated, and there's always um, improvement that can be found in operations, or you know, there's always. Improvement to be made in your in your bank deal, or you know, in, in anything, you kind of don't uh, give anything without trying to get a better outcome mm -hmm. for yourself. So I I learned that I think early on, just being exposed to that. Uh, I think that grit is kind of 
how I think it's the difference between making it or not. Mm-hmm. And I was exposed to a lot of that along the way. So you know, whether I was paying close attention to it at seven or eight or not, I mean, I, that's what right. <laughs> that was right. kind of <laughs> right. the norm. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a that's a good word that also keeps coming up time and grit perseverance you mm-hmm. know just having to plow through and find a way you know um, Mark had uh, well at a young age had a lot of boxing we thought he could do anything and uh, one of his very first ventures after college was uh, president of a bank which he still is yeah and uh, uh, and the bank is growing, and it's doing the same thing we do now, buying another bank and so on. He just closed another bank yeah. a month ago. He, he's, he's getting the fever too, I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a genetic disposition there. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Did you say that? <laughs> we'll get back to the conversation with Ward and Mark McConnell in a moment, but I wanted to recognize GKN again for sponsoring this program and supporting me in these travels for me and our staff across the country. GKN Off-Highway Powertrain is a global supplier of integrated powertrain components, systems, and solutions. To learn more about how GKN improves the efficiency, safety, and increased productivity of today's OEM farm machinery, visit www.gknoffhighwaypowertrain.com. And after you visit GKN, Remember that you can keep up on all the farm equipment industry news by registering for our free daily email at www.farm-equipment.com. So back to the McConnells of Artsway Manufacturing. In the next part, we're going to hear a few stories about when bank pressures were so extreme they didn't know that they'd see another year, a few proud moments for the two and even a kind word about each other, and also who from Hollywood would star as Ward McConnell in a feature film. So you guys have different paths into the business, very, very small business, became large corporate entity, publicly held company later in life, and now you're leading a corporate structure, management teams, all that. How would you say your styles are alike and how are they different? Start with Mark. Yeah. Well, um, that's hard to answer. <laughs> And keep your job, huh? Well, <laughs> I know you, I know you from a magazine publisher. Yeah, you're a lot nicer to the the vendors in the market, Mark, than than he is. Right, <laughs> well, I, I can say that. Yeah. Well, I, I'd say the, the similarity would lie in the um, you know, priority and pursuit being you know, profit uh, profitability and long term um, sustainability of of a business model and that that kind of thing. I mean, that w- would be common. I think how you get there probably or the approach to getting there is probably shaped by the experience and you know I can as you say come come at it from a different set of experiences and angles than, than he does so in in my case I, I wonder if some of the answers might be generational you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it mm-hmm. might be I mean I mean the, the fact that I'm you know my age versus his and you know might affect uh, you know how far you look out at things and, and decisions you make but you know, I've just tried to maybe learn from things that, that we could have done better and, uh, and and adjust and see the things that we did well and go with that too and uh, try to go with the collection of experiences 
good or bad and and um, anyway try to get there that way uh, it's hard to have the same um, outlook on some things when you got there a different way right you know? right yeah we're, we're formed by the experiences we've had and yeah how is he how do you how does uh, his approach differ from yours would you say well he, he's more methodical than I am and that which is a good asset I it was more a seat of the pants and uh, do it my way, sort mm -hmm. of stuff. Yeah. But uh, Mark is much more methodical than I am, which is good. Yeah. Were there early days in in your career, Ward, that things were real touch and go? Well, yes, they're painful. Uh, I remember early, early on, we made potato planters, and they had sold like we sold like fifty a year for two or three years, and suddenly they didn't sell anymore. The potatoes were 10, 10 cents a hundred pounds briefly. They were awfully, awfully cheap. And so the farmers weren't making any money and the dealers weren't either. And, and I owed the bank and the bank came and wanted to get paid. Now I had nothing to pay them with. Mm. They said, well, you got all these planters. Where are they? Well, they're in Maine. Oh. You get your ass to Maine and sell them. <laughs> we want to get paid. I said, I can't sell them. There's no money up there. They said, get your ass to Maine and sell them. <laughs> anyway, they were rough. And I finally had to give in. I went to Maine. And I'll never forget walking into the store dealership. said, I got to sell you some planters. He said, we don't want any planters. We, don't, we couldn't sell them if we had them. So I had to go home with no planters mm -hmm. sold. And uh, the bank really, God, they got rough. They were mean and ugly mm -hmm. <laughs> every way they could be. And it was real early on. It was maybe three or four years, maybe. Well, we ran into, eventually, we ran into almost the same thing with tractors. Almost. Mm -hmm. we, we had a lot more moxie then and, and knew how to work our way out. But uh, And we did work our way out. but. Uh, those are the two most difficult times of my life, really, when the bank gets on your back and rides and has no sense, and mm -hmm. what they force you to do doesn't make any sense, and so on. And, and you use, do you do that at your bank? I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> some, some borrowers required. Yeah. <laughs> Were there? Were there? Was that a time where you weren't sure it was gonna, you were going to come out on the other no, end? No, that's right. You, yeah. Neither time. Yeah. How did you get through it? I fought and mm -hmm. fought. And the, both cases, the following year, the stuff sold off. Mm -hmm. Had to get to the following year, though. Yeah. Yeah. Send everybody home. No, it's, it's tough. Mm -hmm. what, um, what are the, the proudest moments when you look back on your career? You know, it sounds like the the Ratliff and selling the tractor to, to Agco was part of that, but are there are there other ones that come to mind? Well, that was uh, it was a major project and uh, underfinanced at the time. And I remember the first right after we bought it, we didn't have a tractor. Um, we made a big box about the size of this room, painted it red, and made out of plywood in the form of a tractor and took it to Manitoba to a farm show and showed it off, coming soon. 
<laughs> stuff like that. And uh, while I was up there, we had a dealer meeting, first dealer meeting I had with them, and I went home with it. Ten orders. I had a million dollars worth of orders in my pocket. <laughs> selling, a wooden, uh, selling off of a wooden yeah. tractor. Anyway, we did make the ten tractors and delivered them up there. That was exciting as hell. Because mm -hmm. we didn't have anything underneath that box. I went up to the farm show and took the dealers over to the hotel and had a beer. And yeah. Each one, every, every dealer gave me an order for a tractor. And yeah. they were uh, around $100,000 a piece. Yeah. Wow. So Pretty good salesman then, huh, Mark? Yeah. yeah. That was a good sale. I yeah. highlight them. Yeah. They gave breath. Yeah. <laughs> His woodworking was good. <laughs> <laughs> Plywood, but it was shaped like a tractor. Okay, it worked. What were some other What were some other moments that come to mind? Well, those banking moments have more memory than anything yeah. else. But uh, it's kind of nice to have the bank kissing our ass now. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? You're still a young man in this business, but what are, What have been your proudest moments? Well, I would say um, it's kind of hard to answer because because it's early on, right? But I can forecast the proudest will be when, when we're on the other side of the ag downturn now. I can say mm -hmm. <laughs> after, after that's fully lived through, yeah. uh, I, I would expect that to be. But you know, other than that, I had some early success in other companies that, that was really good. I, um, early on, the, my first real, real responsibility outside of college was with a small ladder company that we had purchased that was defunct, basically. And to get that going and, and go from about 12 employees to about 118 in a couple of years. And I was kind of up there by myself with trying to make that thing happen. Mm -hmm. That was you know, early on, that, that was big. You know, I was proud to have earned my way to the position I'm in now with, with Artsway. And that was an uh, important moment, too. And in the, on the banking side of the business, uh, that was also a turnaround project that, that I was involved with and to get on the positive side of that and start to see success uh, was was really proud and we just finished our first add-on acquisition and that was a milestone for us we've been seeking for a while that was taking us to a, a new size and and coming together so mm -hmm. those would be some of the prouder moments but I, I know that the highlight will <laughs> be when when this cycles through yeah. and that would be you know, an accomplishment yeah. under Me. adverse conditions, really. Did you know that you were going to end up doing this at a, at a young age? Were you thinking you'd be working alongside your dad and running these companies? Yeah, that, that was basically the, the plan from pretty early on. It was, I knew that's what would make him happy, but also I, I thought that was probably my best chance financially to you know, have a better outcome than normal is to, is to play the good card in front of you, you know, mm -hmm. and, and do that. So pretty early on, that was sort of assumed, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, when it got closer to having to really confirm that, say high school, I mean, that was still what my thought process was. But you know, during those times, he sold the tractor company and sold some things. And so after he sold the tractor company, it was a concerted effort, I guess, to rebuild so there'd be business there for me to go into because you know, he could have retired at that point and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So at 63 years old, I, or four, thereabouts, he kind of doubled down on yeah. <laughs> and got into yeah. all these other things. Yeah. And 
partly, I think, you know, I was coming along of, of an age to to uh, to go to work, so mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was what yeah. I wanted to do. Yeah, it's making an investment in you at age 64, right? Yeah, I don't know if that was the real impetus for it. <laughs> it <laughs> turned out that way. It coincided. Yeah, so, you know, when we get to these meetings, Ward is usually gives me a free hour of consulting time on our, mm -hmm. our walk, and, and obviously it has a lot of a wisdom and um, can read situations right, and there's been times he told me his opinion. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are the things that you've learned from him that you intend to, you know, if this business is something that your, your kids are interested, the, the core values, the core tenets about business that you want to pass on to the next generation who might take the keys? Yeah. I, I think the core things would be to, uh, despite the size of the business or anything, to figure out how to remain entrepreneurial and not get too detached from commerce actually happens. You know, I mean, I think it's important to stay close to, to the market in any business that you're in. Keeping banks off your tail, <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot uh, about managing risk and liquidity and, and all that that you know, is really important for longevity. You know, hard work is obviously a necessary ingredient to all of it. That's that'd be very much part of it. But you know, being in this business is, is particularly in cyclical business like ag is uh, inherently challenging in some ways, and it's rewarding as well. But you have to have. He likes the word moxie, but that's <laughs> you have to have that uh, to be able to you know withstand all those things and, and come out on the other end liquid. You know, mm -hmm. those are three key elements to to succeeding in it and if you're not paying attention to those things I might not give you the best outcome. Right. right. Were there things Ward that you were going to, to drill into Mark come hell or high water that the non-negotiables that you wanted to expose him to from a early age? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think uh, osmosis <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, but he and I boys communicated pretty well and uh, but I don't think anything you know, where uh, he got picked on very bad. You got through him th through sheer repetition I bet. Oh, Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. always use our petition. Yeah. I don't remember you biting your tongue. <laughs> so. It hurts. He never learned that skill I bet did he? No, no. Yeah. He, he's the tongue of a 20-year-old. Yeah. So. <laughs> Probably why the, the deer thing didn't work out quite right, right? <laughs> there was no tongue biting. What, were, what, what would be uh, things that if, if you were presented with a magic wand and gotten the, the classic do-over, what, what would those have been? What would have been a couple examples of that? For me? I would have benefited probably from going to work elsewhere early in my career, uh, you know, for other people and, and having to sink or swim a little bit in a more independent situation that probably would be good and I know they say that's that's kind of the best thing for people in a family business and in our case and just due to the age and all that didn't think that we had time for that you know at, at the time mm -hmm. and so um, knowing what we know now in terms of you know longevity and health and all that I would have uh, I would have probably benefited from that you know I think I think uh, learning some things the hard way where you don't have a safety net, it's probably good. Mm -hmm. But he ne he needed you at the time to to rise up and step into the role that he yeah. put you in, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you were. Well, if you got another shot at 
something you might have done. I'd be really. more aggressive. Not toward him, but toward, <laughs> the, business, toward yeah. the business world. My, my bites were pretty small, and we grew them afterward. But, but uh, when you start with nothing, it's still nothing, or very little. So I think I, I think if I were doing it now, I'd get more aggressive. Bigger deal. Yeah, you you enjoyed that that part of it. Oh yeah, being in the hunt and to to acquire and, and build it up from there. And Find some old dog that somebody had that we could make profitable. We made everything we bought profitable, and so that part's been fun. Mark, if you had to describe your your dad to someone who doesn't know him. From a business perspective, in one word, what what would that word be? I was about to say cantankerous, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, scrappy is probably the the best word for that. Mm -hmm. That's a little better than cantankerous. <laughs> <laughs> we all knew what he meant, and we're we're nodding here. <laughs> yeah. This uh, this isn't a question I'm gonna, I'm probably going to ask anybody else, <coughs> but I know feel like I know you guys well enough. So if if they were going to do a movie about Ward McConnell. Who would you choose to play him and why? Oh, wow. Think about that one. Oh, I gotta think of somebody surly enough. <laughs> who, who are some of those people? <laughs> Gene Hackman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, about, thinking about Hoosiers. You yeah. Know, but yeah. Probably something like that. Yeah. How about what's your one word to describe Mark, Mark's business personality? I don't know if he. Uh, attained it or where he got it, but he has business acumen that's really, really outstanding. Uh, maybe you know how he attained it. He, a little bit each stop, I mean, collecting from up in Canada to going through the border to whatever. He's had a lot of exposure and, and uh, I never, I never, Try never to interfere with it. Mm -hmm. Go go collect the money. Yeah, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> you figure it out, and that worked. Just speaking about American manufacturing for a moment. What what do you think the is not appreciated or under, properly understood out there? I think a lot of people tend to assume that uh, that everybody that has a business is you know successful and all that kind of thing, and you know that every business would fall under the uh, category of corporate America or something. And really it's mostly not that, I think. It's a lot of uh, small entrepreneurial manufacturing companies that you know, may have 10 people or 20 people or 30 people that are actually bending metal to create parts and you know, designing things and, and all of that that is, uh, is a lot more challenge to it. And of course we all have the difficulty in hiring people and hiring qualified people and you know all that is very difficult especially in a competitive environment for labor competitive environment for your product to you know to really be successful and having longevity you kind of have to have something that's a little different that, mm -hmm. that provides value that, that's compelling in some way is you know these days to have a you know an also ran type of product doesn't get you anywhere at all mm -hmm. so it's uh, it's, it's very challenging, I think, for American manufacturers, and they have to be nimble and to uh, to manage risk and and all those kinds of things is very difficult, and I would think quite underappreciated by people that, that don't realize the, the hard work that goes into running a business that actually employs people 
in America. Mm -hmm. I think kind of largely taken for granted. Well said. Where did you, was there any things you'd want to say about Mark having gone through the chairs and led the association at a at a young age? You must have been the youngest FEMA president ever, correct? I'm told that. Yeah. He'd had a lot of experience, I think, and I think he, uh, it went well, I believe. I don't go to the meetings. You go to the meetings. Was it, did they go well? Yes. Yep. Did, uh, did a fine job. Well, He'd had some. He'd had quite a lot of exposure, I think, before that. That mm. probably helped him hearing me bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an important life lesson. That's right. Uh, right. Anything, Mark, that comes to mind? You know, we are really uh, pleased to be, uh, you know, proving our business through through what's been a prolonged downturn, and really are a very long-term focused. Um, getting the job at Artsway three years ago, we entered with having a good firm foundation that you know, he left for me, and that's that's part of how we've uh, managed to work through the, the, the tough time. And you know, going forward, we're you know, looking very long term and, and developing a lot of new products and focusing on quality and customer service and uh, product development as the key ways to really make an impact in the market and uh, you know, the marketplace. It's very challenging for short-line manufacturers, but I, th I feel like we're doing the, the things that'll uh, give us an opportunity to be successful long-term. We've been in business for 61 years, and we're certainly trying to get to some bigger milestones in that regard, and I think we're focusing on the right things to get there. Mm -hmm. So and we appreciate the opportunity to, to sit with you and discuss all these things. Yeah. One of my, one, my memories of, of getting to know you guys, we had just bought Farm Equipment Magazine in, in 2004, and I was at one of the FEMA meetings, might have been in Orlando, and I, your dad was one of the first that, uh, you know, came to check us out, you know, mm -hmm. you, you know not familiar with you, what's, what's the story, and we, we laugh back at the office about the the word McConnell rule when it comes to subscription pricing, and, and uh, Dave Kanicki has a lot of a lot of funny memories, and, and we saw some on the negotiation tactics mm -hmm. firsthand as well. But always been fun, and appreciate your the business relationship and the and the friendships for sure. This is a, it's it's a highlight of coming to these meetings and seeing you guys. Yeah, we well, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. us too. Us too is is exactly right. Well, I want to say something. We, I've really enjoyed your and my relationship and our walks and so on. It's been a wonderful, wonderful uh, friendship. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, and not premised on money, just friendship. Mm -hmm. So that's been that's been wonderful. Yeah. But you you you've passed a lot of uh, stuff on to me that got got me. Th thinking and I brought some stuff back to our management team through those conversations. So I, I was listening. I didn't listen 100% of the time when I should have, but I was listening. <laughs> well, we, we bullshit pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've enjoyed that much. We've gotten slower and slower, but... Well, we, we still get out there, though. Big thanks to Ward and Mark. Again, I'd like to thank GKN for making this podcast series possible. And I look forward to your feedback, so please email me at mlesseter at lessetermedia.com. I hope you'll sign up with us to receive this podcast free on your favorite podcast channel, 
iTunes, Google Play Store, SoundCloud, or any of the others that you prefer. Now make sure you're alerted to each new episode as soon as it's posted. And a special thanks to our staff here, Jeff Lazeski and Joe Kinsley of our multimedia departments for putting this together. Thanks for joining the one-on-one -on -one conversation with the McConnells. Till next time, I'm Mike Lesseter and signing out on How We Did It, Conversations with Ag Equipment's Entrepreneurs. <laughs>